0: Hi, I'm Paula Cherie, and welcome to The Artful Entrepreneur. Today, I have guest Matthew Arkin. He's a coach, actor, producer, entrepreneur. What are you?
1: (laughs) I am, I I, I guess I'm, you could say I'm in a, a continual process of sort of redefining what it is I do for a living. I, you know, I started acting when I was eight, but then departed from what the rest of my family does because I, I had an academic leaning. And after college, went to law school and then practiced law for five years and hated it because I think, you know, if you grow up with the circus, it's hard to run away. People run away to the circus. It's hard to run away from the circus. Uh, so when I was 30, I quit practicing law to go back to acting and have been doing that for a living since then. But... Um, I tend not to be, I guess I'm restless in terms of challenge, you know, so, so acting, not that acting isn't challenging, but eventually I feel like, okay, I, I know how to do this. I'm at home at a theater, I'm at home on a television set or a film set. Let me find some place that is again, where I'm a beginner. So I started teaching by accident. I was meeting somebody for lunch at my old school and the director of the school asked me if I wanted to teach. And so I started teaching there and that's been, you know, great. And I learn by teaching and from my students. And now I teach at a university, teach film production at a university, teach acting privately, and then, you know, fell into this uh, booze business. Again, by accident, completely by accident, I have two partners. None of us were in this industry before. But it's taking off and winning awards. And uh, so I think it might be a while before I try to tackle the next challenge because that one, this one is still very challenging.
0: Yes. I'm just so many interesting things. I actually, so the name of your. Spirits brand is called Batch 22, and I actually had to Google what Aquavit was because I just don't think there's that many producers of it in the U.S., and I saw that you launched it around July of last year. It sounds really interesting, so I'm definitely going to have to try some of that. (laughs) So I was curious, what did you specialize in as an attorney? I worked for
1: two different small general practice firms up in Westchester County, outside of New York City. And I was sort of the 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 attorney equivalent of the doctor you call when you have a sore throat or something's wrong and they mm-hmm. see you and they give you penicillin for your sore throat. But then if something is ser- serious, they send you to a specialist. So mm-hmm. I would buy your house for you. I'd draw up a simple will. If your kid was arrested for drunk driving, I'd represent him in court. If you needed an easement to get to move that to put a pool in because you had slightly Oddly shaped property, I would handle that. If you got arrested for insider trading and had to deal with the SEC, we were gonna find you a specialist.
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I always it's kind of similar with photography. I specialize in boudoir photography. So if you're not familiar with that, I take photos of ladies in their underwear.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So people think because you're good at you one genre. Assistant.
1: Do you need an assistant? No. <laughs>
0: But people think because you're good at one genre that you must automatically be good at other genres. And I often liken it to like a plastic surgeon or a doctor, you know, you're not going to go to a plastic surgeon if what you have is a sore throat, right? Right. So that's interesting. So how would you say your experience as a former attorney, like influences what you do now? I think you you said something earlier that you also have taught attorneys acting lessons which i think is fantastic
1: yeah yeah I, I don't call it acting lessons so much as storytelling lessons because I believe that and this is sort of borne out by some science that the the human brain isn't wired to listen to arguments the human brain is wired to listen to stories you know that's what we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years is listening to myths and stories around campfires myth, uh, stories with good guys and bad guys. And so when I teach attorneys how to take their case or whatever it is they're talking about and find the story inside it, because that will capture the interest of the judge or the jury much more than the, the legal logical argument.
0: That makes sense.
1: Uh, Yeah an example of that was one time i was i was giving a presentation at the new york county da's office and volunteers got up and gave opening statements or or their arguments in appellate cases that they were presenting and this this attorney got up and she gave her her she she presented her case and you could see everybody in the in the room sort of nodding off and when she was done, I took her out in the hall and said, I, 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 uh, I want you to... I said, do you have any children? And she said, yeah, I do. I have two twins. They're nine years old. I said, okay, this is going to sound completely crazy to you, but I want you to go back in there and give the same argument you just gave. Tell us the same information, but pretend you're telling a bedtime story to your nine-year-old daughters. And she looked at me like I was nuts. Like, I can't talk to a room full of attorneys that way. I said, just as an experiment, just give it a try. So she went back in and she did it. And, you know, even she could see it. Everybody in the room put their newspapers down, sat forward and listened to what she had to say. And there was one point in her case that that the entire case hinged on. There was one point in her story that was the win or lose event. And I turned to the room and I said, how many of you heard that win or lose event the first time she told the story? And about three hands went up. I said, how many of you heard it the second time she told the story? And every hand went up.
0: Hmm.
1: Because she was telling the story.
0: Yeah, that nuance changes it.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes
0: sense.
1: if, If you say, and then the big bad wolf puffed and puffed. And it's just part of your legal argument and it's delivered the same way everything else you have said is delivered. People can miss it. But if you get Mm to and say, and then the big bad wolf huffed and he, you know, people, people hear it.
0: Now it has emotional context. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, So going back to like all of these roles that you have, how do you really, balance, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, an author, a coach, and an actor. Wow. A producer.
1: That's a question. Right now, I usually involves getting up at five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning and, and, and returning every email and sending every email I need to send for the day, because at some point the rest in at around 10 or 11, an email is going to, be come in, or a or mm-hmm. a phone call is going to come in that sets the rest of the day on fire with stuff that has to be dealt with. Yes. Right. So and I have to take care of any of the long range planning and stuff well ahead. You know, first thing in the morning, before nine thirty, or or it doesn't get done.
0: That so, makes sense. One of my coaches or mentors told me because we're always stressed about not having enough time. We always say there's never, I, you know, you catch yourself saying there's not enough time. There's not enough time. And she would say, if you just remember that you're only going to get like two to three things done a day, you know, pick out your most important things that need to be done. And that's really helped me like a ton. I just wondered too, like, because, and I'm a photographer, so I'm used to wearing like all of the different hats too. We do all of our marketing, all the editing, post-production most of the time, set design, all of that good stuff. And I always feel like if you're doing it without an assistant, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like you have to compartmentalize everything, you know, like today you're the acting coach. Tomorrow you're the producer. Right.
1: (laughs) So, you know, for instance, yesterday I spent the entire day driving around to liquor stores and bars and restaurants until six o'clock. And then from seven to 10, I taught an acting class.
0: Wow. So when you are you looking for like places to distribute the the batch twenty-two is
1: Yeah, well we're we're just trying to build more accounts. You know, we're a new brand. So and 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 brand awareness is really driven by bars and bartenders and restaurants that you get on the specialty cocktail lists there. Um so we've got a lot of traction in San Diego and now I'm trying to open up Los Angeles. And we just started. So we just a few weeks ago, we got into our first bar lounge up here and we've gotten into other liquor stores up here and we just got into a big chain. Our first big chain liquor store. But then, you know, it's not going to it's not going to jump off the shelf into people's shopping carts. If they don't know what it is, nobody's going to reach to the Mm -hmm. shelf and grab a bottle of Batch 22. So the upcoming weeks and months will be going to these. We have to go to every one of these stores and do what's called a staff education event because the staff doesn't know what it is. They don't know how to talk about it. So we have to taste it with them and educate them. And then we have to go back to the stores and do in-store demos for for customers walking in, you know, when you walk in and somebody's there demoing their liquor and they can't do what are called wet tastings at a lot of these liquor stores. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be like Christmas time at Macy's with the, at the cologne counter. (laughs) These little spray bottles so that people. That
0: does present an interesting challenge because how can you sell it if you don't know what the heck it tastes like?
1: Right. Well, we have these little spray bottles so they can smell it. We can talk about it. And then we have the little 50-milliliter mini bottles yeah. that will be on sale. So somebody can, after smelling it and hearing about it, they can say, yeah, I'll spend $4 on one of those and make one cocktail and try it and see if I like it. And then they'll come back and they'll buy the 750-milliliter.
0: Wow. So that it, it's a lot of work launching. Uh, a
1: lot, it's a, a lot, lot of work. work. And, but we also have other, you know, we also have a lot of corporate stuff going on where there's some big, there's an airline that we're talking to about being in all of their lounges nationwide. There's a cruise line that we're in talks with right now. So I shouldn't say their names right now because they may be like, this didn't happen yet. Don't, you know, but, but either one of those things, if it happens, will be big news for us. So, there's sort of these two tracks that are going at the same time the slow building of accounts, block mm-hmm. by block, and then the trying to land the big fish that'll change stuff for you overnight.
0: Right. That makes sense. Well, I think you guys do have the opportunity just because, as I said, I don't think there's a lot of distributors to Bakubi. So, I'm looking forward to trying it myself and just trying it out. Where
1: are you, where are you located?
0: So, I'm in Central Florida, just outside of Tampa. Ah, okay. But I did see that you you do sell it online, right?
1: Yes, so. we do. Yeah. And I believe we can ship to Florida. So.
0: Cool. If not, I'll get a hold of one of my relatives and make them buy it and oh. <laughs> ship it to me.
1: <laughs> right now, we're only in retail in Southern California, but we are available in I think thirty states online. So. And it's, it's really good. It's one of those things where people don't know what it is and they're very skeptical and then I'd say about 95% of the people who taste it say, oh, wow. And, and end up buying it. So we've been really, we've been really fortunate.
0: Good. Well, I'm happy to kind of see where it goes for you. So I'll be watching kind of going back to your film and acting experience. I mean. I would imagine that you probably have a lot of lessons just from working in the film and acting industry that could also apply as an entrepreneur.
1: Yes, both, both the, the legal background and the acting background is, has helped a lot because I don't, I don't think of myself as a natural salesman or salesperson. So I, I've had to really, and, and was having a great deal of difficulty viewing myself that way. And then a dear friend of mine sent me a a TED Talk, a link to a TED Talk, which basically reminded me of what I already knew, but wasn't applying to this industry. Mm
0: -hmm. And this
1: TED Talk was talking about sales. And he, he said exactly what I say to my acting students and to my lawyer students, which is, don't try to sell the product, tell the story. And, 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 I, and I was like, how come I didn't already know that? That's what I do in every other area of yeah. my life. Why didn't I apply it to this? And when we started focusing on the story of Batch 22 and how it came about and why we're doing what we're doing with Batch 22, investors, everybody else, investors restaurants, bar owners, and customers all started to respond in a completely different way. And that's because Batch 22 came out of this, the, the origins of it were this, this, this incredible night from my youth when I was visiting my father on a film set in Europe. And it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and the crew was tired and cold and grumpy. And some guy didn't speak any, you know, none of the crew spoke any English, so I didn't know what was being said. But some some grip pulled an unlabeled bottle of something he had made back at his Village, we pulled this unmarked bottle out of his kit bag and poured shots for everybody, and it was immediately apparent that there was a history and a story behind this spirit. That there was a, com- a community spirit around it. There was a bonding. There was a shared history, and it the the energy of the set changed completely. Everybody woke up, cheered up, and got back to work with with a completely different energy. And I I looked at that and I said, wow, that's, you know, that's what a shared culture, a shared spirit can do. Years, years later, just three or four years ago, my father, we've talked about that night over the years. We have no idea what it was that person poured. But my father called me out of the blue one day and he must have read something online because he's not much of a drinker. He said, you know, you can make aquavit at home, and he knows I like to tinker in the kitchen and pick up hobbies. And, and I said, why would, why would I do that? Aquavit is terrible. He said, <laughs> vodka and infuse it with different spices in a mason jar. And after a few days, he got Aquavit. And I ignored him, which you shouldn't do with your father when he tells you something. <laughs> he kept bringing it up. And so about the third or fourth time he brought it up, I thought, okay, I'll try it. I'll make some. And I looked at a bunch of recipes online and some of the ingredients I liked and some of them I didn't. So I sort of came up with my own version of it. It has caraway in it, which makes it an Aquavit. If you don't have the caraway, it's not an Aquavit, but you can do anything else you want to. And I made it and that would have been the end of it, except one of my, one of my friends, who's now one of my partners in the business tasted it. And he said, Hey, I think we can sell this. And he had, he had been a stand-in for George Clooney at, at one point. And remember the times when Clooney was bringing the, the Casamigos, to, the early versions of that around. And he had this little light bulb moment saying, you know, this is different than Casamigos. This isn't a tequila. It's something people don't know about. So we brought another good buddy of mine from college in. The first fellow is Mark Morosi, a former acting student of mine. And then the other fellow, Bruce Glassman, my best friend from my college days. And we formed this company and, you know, beginner's luck. We started winning medals as soon as we launched. Fantastic. Um, but it was, the, it was the, the, that story of this passion from the past and then the passion of three best friends, you know, just taking a chance on something that they really liked and that people seemed to respond to.
0: So, so the one thing that I learned being a photographer and doing my a lot of my own marketing is you always hear, even as an artist, you, you need to tell the story, especially with artists. I do a lot of artistic photography as well. And it's, we rely, we always think, oh, a photograph tells a thousand words. It does, but you still need to, when you speak with people about your art, you still need to tell them the story behind it to really sell it. So I really related to what you were saying about telling the story. And I think anybody could take acting classes or anybody that has a product or a service to sell could benefit from acting classes because you need to learn how to tell the story. The alcohol or the spirit that was shared on set. I just thought that was really interesting how alcohol kind of tends to be a universal language. I think almost it like brings people together Yes. So it's that spirit of sharing and community. Yes. Yeah.
1: And one thing that's kind of fun is one one of the places where I teach acting now. I mean, I teach my own classes here in LA, but I don't I don't have my own building, so I I rent classroom space at at two different locations, and one of the the places that I that I rent, it's a casting director's office where he also teaches classes, and he has a full bar, set up for, so that after classes, everybody can sit around and have a drink. And of course there's batch 22 sitting on that bar now. So <laughs> it, it's really, I mean, he has a full bar and snacks and a fridge with beer and soft drinks and everything. And it's, it's really great because after class, we sit around for another half hour or so and tell stories and share a cocktail, which isn't the worst way to, you know,
0: to, to end of the night. Yeah, it gives you We're something to class. kind of look forward to. Yeah. You know, and it's networking. Yes. Very important. Yeah. So I saw that you also do a podcast with your brother. I kind of checked it out a little bit. I thought that was really cool.
1: Yes. We're on a little bit of a hiatus right now because we're both incredibly busy with other things, but we'll be picking it up again soon. I hope it's called the Arkin brothers talk about movies and it's, it's very silly. And we, it started during the pandemic when I was in California and he was in New York. And we would have these long zoom conversations just to keep each other company, and invariably just ended up talking about the movies we've been watching when we were isolated alone at home. Well, he was with his wife, I was completely alone. and uh, I forget which one of us said it. we were like we should re- we should record this because we got very silly and we watch a, a lot of old and and sort of off the beaten path movies. And it's really just a hangout show, but I think it ends up being slightly educational. And because we both grew up in the industry and have, and have now worked in the industry for years, we often end up getting a guest on the show who who worked on the movie in one way or another. So that's a lot. Oh, of,
0: that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, and I think it's just a great way for people to get to know you, so they feel like they can kind of relate to you. So it might not be really directly related to to business, but I think in the end, you know, any little exposure, I guess, out there helps.
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day to speak with me. As I said, I'm really excited to see where you go with Batch 22. I did want to also mention that I noticed that you authored a noir thriller as well. So do you anticipate writing any other? In,
1: yeah the the novel is called in the country of the blind it's available on amazon i i do when life settles down a little bit and i have the time plan on writing another in that series uh, the character that i created for that book the intention was to have a, him be a detective who could move on to other stories so the next Great. one is outlined and and a few pages of it written but i haven't had the time to really dive into it lately
0: well, I'm sure that when you circle back, it's going to be really good. I wouldn't mind having you back as a, a guest once you've finished that second book, so
1: it would be my pleasure.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again and have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you.
0: Thank you likewise. Bye.
1: Bye.